What's up, everybody? This is a new episode of Catfish on Ice. This is episode 140 with your host, Chad Minton, Rich Howe, and Kyle Perkins. What is up, guys? How you doing tonight? I was really enjoying the music of the uh, little intro. It was really cool. Yeah. I was jamming. I was too. I was yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, Rich was trying to attempt to dance over there. Uh, you got to work up the moves a little bit. No dancing, just bob my head. That's about it. Yeah, there you go. All right, awesome. Well, this is uh, like I said, we got a brand new episode for you tonight. We're excited because uh, we're one week closer to the to the regular season, getting Ooh. through it here, um, and so it's, it's a, not that far away. We're Roman Yossi days. They said today, fifty nine days. Yeah. I saw that shared, and I was like, 59 days might as well be 59 years. It still feels seems like, like it. so it far feels, away. Yeah. <sighs> we then we you got know spoiled. Oh, yeah, for sure. The last couple of years starting early like that, it's like, oh, we don't even have to wait that long now. It's like, mm-hmm. forever away. August is August is the hardest month to get through the offseason, but we do have the World Juniors happening because they got rescheduled. So at least we're getting hockey in August, which doesn't happen hardly ever. So uh, at least we have that to tide us over for a little bit. Yeah, well, so, we had some today. Yes, and later on at the end of this episode, Eric Dene came back to the podcast, who does on the future press prospects for SB Nation. Joined us for about thirty minutes. It's going to be at the end of this episode when you download it. So. Be sure to stay tuned for that because we had three Preds prospects in this tournament this year, including uh, Joachim uh, Kimmel, who was drafted this year as the steal, and he's already lighting the lamp in this tournament. He scored two goals, I believe, tonight for Finland two. as Finland won. I'm looking at the stats game. right now. He's two goals, two assists. Wow. Yeah, he's – I mean, that Finland team is going to be dangerous, guys. I mean, I know it's USA and Canada, obviously, but Finland, watch out for them. They're a team that can make some noise for sure. So, can we, yes. Uh, can we just call him Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy, and that's a good nickname. By the way, that's a perfect little setup there. Oh, uh, that's right. Perfect little setup because we are going to go back and look at some of the best all-time – nicknames in nhl history there's so many good ones i had a lot of fun i had i had i had a lot of fun there's a lot of really good articles out there and ranking lists from a lot of the different websites looking back at and some of these nicknames go back like almost a century like i found nicknames from like the 1920s and some of these nicknames are hilarious and they're really good so i I wrote a bunch down we're going to share them uh kyle and rich they're going to share theirs as well some good ones uh, best NHL nicknames. All right, we're switching yep. up how we're going to do our season preview this year. Instead of just doing a broad team look, we're going to literally preview each player on this team and what we're expecting for this upcoming season from that player, how they're going to impact the team, what kind of stats do they think that we're going to produce, all that good stuff. We're starting with the big guns tonight. We're starting with Roman Yossi, UC Soros, and Philip Forsberg. We are going to preview their upcoming season, each of those three players. So that should be fun. We're gonna, we're gonna go from the captain all the way to Lucas Pisa. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll the end the team. season. We'll end the season preview with Lucas Pisa. Awesome. Uh, if, we'll start, if this we'll was start. a yearbook, Lucas Pisa would be voted most likely to appear on a milk carton. No, for sure. Well, oh, yeah. uh, Dad <laughs> found a little mention of him. Yeah, I mean, so an article, and I was like, that is so random. 
Yeah. So yeah, I was um looking at reading up on those nicknames or whatever. Yeah. And it <laughs> they bring up Patrick Line and Lucas Spiza in the same sentence. There's two things that. Or no, wait, 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 no, no, no. That was a different article. I was, I was, I was reading an article that was talking about uh, goals, goals scored above expected. So like it was a yeah. good article explaining the mathematical models mm-hmm. behind that. And they had a sentence in there saying that comparing Patrick Line to yeah. Lucas Spiza because Lucas Spiza obviously can't score goals and doesn't mm-hmm. score goals. And I, I don't know what the comparison was. It was super random, but yeah. I found Lucas Spiza in a hockey article it, on it. I think it was instantly like, made me think of you, Rich. I think it was like Patrick Line's goals expected is much higher than Lucas Spiza's or something like that. <laughs> Which I mean, Which that's like true. the understatement of the century, but okay. Two things that don't go together at all. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, awesome. so yeah, we got we, we got to do that. We got to preview those three players. We got to talk about Yakov Trenin. That arbitration ruling finally comes down. It took an extra day to actually figure it out. I mean, that was just weird all in itself. There, just never waiting for that. A, never even heard of such a thing. So strange. The arbitrator literally asked for an extra day to come up with a ruling on a contract that sh- just seemed pretty straightforward, if you ask me. But yeah, for sure. I don't know. I don't work behind closed doors. I don't understand all that stuff, but uh, it makes was no definitely sense, weird. But whatever. But hey, he signed. He's good. He got a little bit of a pay raise, which he deserved. Could you imagine sitting in? Can you imagine sitting in that room, and Predators Nashville Predators front office is telling why they don't want to pay you a bunch of money, and you're like telling them why they need to pay you a bunch of money. Uncomfortable. Got to be yeah. uncomfortable. Probably was a little awkward for sure. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. We're gonna get into that a little bit. We're gonna get in that a little bit more later in this episode. And then also I want to throw out a little question here for the guys to answer. Who is the biggest threat to the Avalanche in the central division going into this season? Is it the Predators with all the improvements they've made? Is it still the St. Louis Blues? Is it the Dallas Stars? Is it the Minnesota Wild? We're gonna open it up and talk about it. The team that is the biggest threat. It, you can't say no one is. You get, we got to at least we got to bring up one team that's got a puncher's chance to maybe hang with Colorado in the, the Central Chicago Blackhawks. Um, okay, we're gonna save that for a little bit later, but <laughs> that better not be your answer. That better not be your answer, Rich. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Episode one forty, Catfish on Ice, presented by DraftKings promo code THPN for exclusive offers this month of August. And we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks for watching on YouTube right now. Subscribe to our channel while you're watching, please. And follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice if you're watching on Twitter right now. All right, let's get into – let's start it off tonight with our season preview. And let's start it off with the captain, Roman Yossi, who um, had one of the most historical seasons for a defenseman ever. And so, obviously, how in the hell is he going to follow that up this season, guys? That's going to be a very tall order, that's for sure. Uh, you look at the amount of points he had. I was so hoping he was going to hit 100. And I think if he would have got to 100, it would have just been – this is amazing. I mean, he was talked about so much. They were mentioning his name in the same sentence with the great Bobby Orr. Um, yeah, just awesome to hear him get that recognition because we all know that, you know, on the media side, the predators don't get much national attention. And when they do, it's a really good thing to hear. So, yeah. 
What are you expecting from him, Kyle, this year? Do you think he can replicate that, or do you think he's probably going to take a little bit of a step back? Well, it's easy to say that just, oh, he can't do it. It was such a good year that there's no way he could repeat that. But he's Roman Yossi, and Mm -hmm. it's not like he's elderly by NHL standards. I mean, he could could have a – a similar year to last year and it not be all that abnormal is Mm -hmm. what I would think. Even if he doesn't have a near record breaking season, he's still going to be a top five defenseman in the league. Honestly, at this point, I think that's kind of the next three, four years, at least Roman Yossi is going to be in that top five conversation every year. Should be. Here's another thing about Roman Yossi going into next season as much praise as he got for all of his point scoring, he did not get a lot of love from from some of the analytics people. And, I mean, they really were a little bit critical of his defensive game, and that probably hurt him in the Norris Trophy voting. Um, and so he's still probably got something to prove here. He's got to show that he can be a good, great all-around defenseman and not just a pure offensive defenseman. So I'm really hoping – it's hard for a player that's – reached this point in his career to get even better. He's probably peaked. But at the same time, I would love to see him improve in his defensive game a little bit more. I know that's a lot to ask for a player as great as Roman Yossi. Like, how can you expect him to be any better? But there is room for improvement, and we kind of found that out. I mean, when you really look into some of these analytics, he's not always the best defensively as you would like him to be. And that's hard because at the same time, you see everything he does for this team offensively. You take Roman Yossi off this team, we've said it so many times, the Preds would suddenly be a last-place team or close to it. But there's always room for improvement. I know Roman Yossi's probably working tirelessly this offseason to get even better because that's the type of uh, leader and professional he is. And so I'm I'm excited to see if he can uh, actually improve his game. I know that's crazy to think about, but can he, defensively speaking? Well, one of the big knocks they had on him was he didn't play as much uh, power play time as Kale mm. McCarr did. Uh, not power play, I'm sorry, uh, penalty kill time as mm. McCarr did. And Yossi carried so much of the offense for Nashville uh, – you didn't really want to put him out there to tire him out right? by playing on the PK, especially when there are better options for penalty-killing defensemen. Uh, not saying anything negative about Yossi's defensive capabilities, but if you've got a shut-down defender, mm-hmm. I mean, I know everybody has their criticisms of Matias Ekholm, but Matias is a good penalty killer. He's right. that big body that can get in front of a net. Uh, Boro, uh, guys like that, they take up a lot of room, whereas Yossi is more of your fin- finesse player. Excellent defenseman, plays great defense. But on a penalty kill, you're down a man. If you've got a guy that takes up another couple of feet, right? It's just it's math. You just you just look at him, and he is the prototypical offensive defenseman. And yeah, if if I'm if I'm if I'm telling the truth, I would I'll take that and have him lacking a little bit in his defensive skills any day. 
I'll, I'll, uh, if he can keep improving on what he's what he did last year, I, I'll, I'll, I'll overlook the little defensive liabilities he might have to to get that same kind of production. Because, I mean, he like you said, he's top three defensemen in the league. So, I'll take I still, it. I still think they need to have the defenseman equivalent of the Selkie, but have yeah. it be the Bobby Orr Trophy. Yeah, and it be for scoring best offense something defenseman. yeah because you look at when they when they do give the award out um a true defensive defenseman is never, never gonna, gonna win, win it never gonna win it and it's because of the way they've got it structured you know mm-hmm. it's it's almost unfair to a really good defensive defenseman and that's you know like you said you look they at a couple of couple of guys like off the islanders there's sure. some really good shutdown uh, uh is it Pulak? The place for the Islanders that is yeah. such a good, yeah. and if you look at the guy that uh, McCarr plays with, if you went by purely defensive metrics, Devin Taves yeah. is the man when it comes to playing defensively. For sure, mm. yeah. But anyway, that's a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> so let's it talk is. about this. So now, speaking of Yossi, now that we've got Ryan McDonough on this team, and there's been a lot of talk about, okay, are we going to switch up these? How are we going to switch up these pairings? Where is Ryan – who is Ryan McDonough going to play with? I mean, I'm on the side of uh, – I'm on the unpopular side, it seems like, of keeping Carrier with Yossi uh, personally and putting McDonough with Eckholm. But I know there's a lot of people who want McDonough with Yossi because that would be a really, really strong top defensive line. And then you put Eckholm with Carrier. But – I want to see what you guys think about it. Uh, let's go to Rich first, and we'll go to Kyle. Who needs to be slotted in with uh, Roman Yossi to open the season? I would do it exactly how you just said. Um, Yossi and Carrier play really well together. Um, and just – I guess it's a good problem to have because really you could you could switch any of them out and have a good, you know, the first two pairings. But I think I'd do what you said and put um, – Yossi Carrier and Ekholm and then McDonough for sure. I mean, yeah, think about Ekholm and McDonough on your second pairing. That'd be one of your one of the better yeah. second pairings in the entire league. And you're talking about two really we just talk we just got done talking about defensive defensemen. Well, mm-hmm. you've got two really solid defensive defensemen on your second pairing if Ekholm's playing alongside uh McDonough. Now, there's all this talk about can McDonough play the right side because he's a left-handed defenseman as well. So you've got to you've got to see mm-hmm. how comfortable they are if he's got to play uh, on the right side. That's a big part of it as well. But mm-hmm. um, that's going to be something we have to keep an eye on in uh, training camp. What does what does John Hines originally roll out um, in practice rushes and maybe in the preseason? Um, in this small amount of time we get to see them play in the preseason, who does he initially put with Yossi? Because it, it's a very, very important decision to make here because it, it can mess, it can really mess things up. I just think that you go with some chemistry here and you, you keep Carrier with Yossi. That could be really beneficial for Carrier. For some reason, it seems like it'd be a really weird uh, pairing of Carrier and Ekholm. I'm just not crazy about it. I don't know. I, Carrier and Ekholm could work because Matias is more your hang back, stay at the point kind of guy. And Carrier 
has shown that he likes to take the buck in. He, he likes mm-hmm. to drive the net, activate a little bit more. So that, that could work well, and they're a left-hand, right-hand pair. Uh, just looking at the current uh, guys on the defensive roster, there's only three natural right-hand shot defensemen, and one of mm-hmm. them is a guy I have literally never heard of, uh, Roland McCown. Oh. Mm. Hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> never heard of him either. <laughs> it's literally your him, Fabro, and Carrier are your only natural right hand shots. That's weird. I'm still surprised Dante Fabro's on the Predators at this Which, point. Which uh what what shot is Lucas Spiza? What side does he shoot from? <laughs> he shoots from another planet because he's not on this one anymore. I, I did that so, for you. So I, did, does, I did that for you, Rich. I appreciate that. Does your new place have a basement for him to be in, Chad? No, he he no longer lives with me anymore. I, I kicked him to the curb. I don't know. I think I think he's a wanderer now. I think he I think he just wanders from place to place and couch surfs. So I I have, I have no idea where Spiza ended up going. We had a little bit of a little bit of a breakup when when my uh, when my fantasy hockey mm-hmm. team lost in the first round of the Catfish on Ice podcast uh, uh, playoffs fantasy hockey league. When we lost in the first round, I, I I said I'm done with you, man. Like you've totally screwed this up for me. One one year, man, that Spiza jersey is going to be right next to Pecorino's. I just know it. What was his number? What was Spiza's number? <laughs> I don't even know. Okay. Anyway, we'll anyway, move on. You derailed. We'll move sorry. on. All right. So here's my thing. Here's my expectations for Yossi. I, 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 I tend to think he could definitely do the same amount of point production, but he's probably not going to reach that level again. All I need to see from Yossi is just what he's been doing for his mm. almost his entire career since he's been in this position of being a captain. I need him to just keep being that leader for this team. He's so critical to this team, especially if they're going to continue to improve. And um, that that's all I really need from him. I don't need him to have another historically great season necessarily. I just need him to be the the – the trustworthy and reliable great player that he's been for years now. And I'll be totally fine. And I, and I have no reason to think he's not going to do that. Yeah. Maybe so, he'll get a little pressure taken off of him as well. I think you know, so. I think, I think yeah. that could definitely happen. You know, like yeah, sure. um, let's get to, let's get to speaking of taking some pressure off of a player. Let's get to UC Soros now because Jeez. Let, let's talk about UC Soros maybe not having to start 67 games this year. Uh, that would be – that'd be a start. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I guess they brought in the Kevin Lankinen, which is the oddest move of the entire offseason, if you ask me. Um, it was a little weird. Uh, a little but I will say Lankinen had – if you look at his rookie year, Lankinen was really – had some, put up some really, really good numbers. So I'm not saying he can't be a decent backup. I just don't understand why he was added. But now that we have him, let's hope that Lankinen can maybe get around 20 starts and give Soros that rest that he's going to need to go down the stretch so that he doesn't get worn down, he doesn't get grinded down. Mm-hmm. That's that's the important thing here. Um, do we at least think that Lincoln is an upgrade from David Riddick? Can we at least yes. say that? Okay. Lindsay, Lindsay, put your fingers. Sorry, Lindsay. I would think so. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Fun go, fact, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, UC Soros and Kevin Lankinen were bo- are both Finnish and were born nine days apart. Oh, wow. 
That's a that's, that's a really good. fun fact. Good stuff there, Kyle. I that's like that. Good. Maybe they'll. Uh... I'm a fountain of useless knowledge. Maybe that's not bond. useless knowledge. Hey, don't <laughs> no, sell yourself short. That is. There's they can have joint birthday parties. I mean, <laughs> that's I know, exactly. Right? You know what? Now that I think about the it, that's predators. probably why. That's probably why David Poyle did this move to begin yes. with, so that he could have a joint birthday party for this. He's, he's only got to buy one cake. It says "Happy Birthday, UC and Kevin." So just, and and, right. and another Finn Tolvanen is in the same week. So oh wow, you well, can knock out all cake. you can knock out all three birthdays in one party. David Poyle rolls up to Kroger and is like, "I need you to make a cake yeah. with three names on it." Yeah. Anyway, I mean. Um, it's, 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 David Poyle's genius this offseason just continues to amaze me. Knows no bounds, right? That was why he got um, in. I was thinking about, <clears throat> as we all remember last season, how we complained a lot when um, Hines just kept rolling. Us complaining? Whoa, wait, wait. Us complaining? We don't ever complain. We on don't this complain. We were like, we were like, un, just couldn't even believe some, some of the times when he would start Soros and like, Hopefully, Lankinen can definitely take some of that pressure off so that he doesn't have to just ride him like he did. Because it was just, just there was times just, when so we just, were just uh, like, I can't believe we're even starting yeah. him. He's he's got just looking, and he definitely looked worn down. I'm not saying that's why the injury occurred. Definitely not mm-hmm. saying that. That was they went back and looked at the injury. That that would that had nothing to do with him being so right. grinded down. But at the same time, I do think Soros, he slipped a little bit there down the stretch. He wasn't he sure as did. solid as he was throughout the early part of the season. And you can't tell me that that at least didn't have something to do with him being mentally drained a little bit and maybe even physically drained a little bit. But at the same time, he's also a really young goaltender still. So can he handle, handle that many starts? Yeah, he probably can. But you don't want to make it a habit every year of that happening. So that's why yeah. you bring in Lincoln in, I suppose. But just looking at some of Saros's numbers last year in his NHL ranks, six, as I said, 67 starts, which led the NHL. 38 wins, which was second in the NHL. Um, second in the league in saves. Here's a one you don't like to see, though. He was he had the fourth most goals against on the year as well. Yeah. But that team so, was so freaking bad. Well, and it, well, yeah, it didn't help when they were going to the penalty box constantly. I'd like to. I, did, I wish I would have looked up if I could have found it. I wish I would have looked up how many of his percentage of his goals he gave up were on against the power play, the other team's power play. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was. I'm sure he led the league in that regard as well. That so, stretch, um, man, at the end, they were so horrible, and that's you know you can't. I mean, I know it goes on his stat sheet, but you just can't lay that all on him. But. Uh, his save percentage dipped down a little bit to 0.918, which was still eighth amongst goalies with a minimum of 30 starts. So, I mean, he was still a top 10 goaltender in save percentage despite all the workload he was up against. So, I think also the addition of Ryan McDonough, let's go back to McDonough again, is going to be hugely beneficial to UC Soros because you now you've got um, you've got a really a, a defenseman who can be great for his goaltender in McDonough. You know McDonough's going to make the right decisions defensively and 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 be that leader on the ice uh, for his unit. So that can end up being hugely beneficial to Soros as he can hopefully get better play in front of him. For sure. Especially down the stretch. <laughs> and, I think and, the McDonough trade bad. is going to end up being bigger than everybody seems to think it is. I think he brings a whole lot more than on ice. 
The man was a captain for a long time. That He's going to be an instant leader in that locker room. He's going to be a been there, done that guy that is still, you know, we've had those kind of guys on the team before, but they were mm-hmm. well past their prime. He's still a good player. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's. Everyone was kind of focused on the age factor and how he's maybe a little past his prime and all that stuff, but he's still got a couple really strong years of hockey left in him. Yep. And that's really what you're looking for right now if you're the Predators is I need instant upgrades. Mm-hmm. That's what David yep. Coyle did this offseason. So yep. we'll worry about year three and year four of it, that contract when it gets here. Let's not worry about something that's two years away. Let's worry about what's happening this season. And this For season, sure. McDonough, in many ways, is going to make this team better. One one being UC Soros. I think he's going to mm-hmm. make life a little easier for UC Soros to where Soros yep. doesn't have to bail out the team with 40 to 45 saves and the uh, kill off all these penalties by making these crazy saves. Hopefully, McDonough will help with that. He should, yeah. at least. Soros had a good, a good first year being starter. I thought he did really well. Uh, there not, was some – we kind of questioned, you know, at times we've, we've talked about, you know, can Saros handle the pressure and can he do this and that? But I, I think he did really, really well. He did, he did very well for his first year starter. So he never looked shook the whole right. year, even yeah. when it was getting bad there toward the end of the season, he never yeah. looked, his emotions yeah. were in control the whole time, at least outwardly on the ice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he looked poised and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I still think Soros can be a Vezina finalist again this year for sure. Absolutely. Um, that's a very fair uh, expectation for Soros. Mm-hmm. We know that he's one of the most talented goaltenders in the league and that eventually his time's going to come to win a Vezina trophy. And it could easily be this year. And it wouldn't shock me all that much at all. So, uh, sure. good stuff there. Let's see what happens. And let's go to our next player here to round out our first round of player previews for 2022-23, and that is Philip Forsberg, who's had oh, himself self a heck of an offseason. And, you know, he got, he, find, he got his contract, his long-term contract. Um, he got married. He's yeah. coming off a career-best year. And so now, obviously – he's got some pressure on him too, because he's instantly going to be under the microscope, not just around Nashville, but league wide, he is going to be under a microscope. And as soon as he has, if he opens the season with like a little bit of a rough stretch, like a rough 10 game stretch, where maybe he's not scoring goals like he was last year. Maybe he's a little invisible on the ice. Maybe the Preds are struggling to score. He's fair or not. He's going to instantly be criticized. So, um, just looking at some of his numbers, I really dove into, to, um, some of his analytical numbers on a money puck. And I was really, really surprised to see that Forsberg was third in the league in goals above expected. So that, or no, he was fifth in goals above expected. He was third in goals per 60 minutes. That was the one third in goals per 60 minutes. So he was one of the most efficient goal scorers in the league per 60 minutes. I knew he was up there. I didn't realize he was third in the league. And that we're talking about some exclusive players that were on that list with Forsberg. So, I mean, did he finally figure out a way to make it all click last year for him? And and this is this really a sign of things to come 
for for Forsberg when it comes to scoring on that elite level? It feels like it. That's for sure. Um, we've said it for years since we've been doing the podcast. He just needed to take that one little step. He was one step off from being an elite uh, forward. And I think he definitely took that step last season. And if he can just build on that and not get in a, I got a big fat contract slump. Um, I mean, it's good. It's exciting. So exciting. It was so awesome to watch him last season, even when he had his little stretch where he wasn't doing as well. But uh, I mean, it was just awesome to watch him click and just um, get everything going. Yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone thinks about contract year. Oh, well, it was a contract year. And I'm not worried about Forsberg taking his foot off the gas at all. He's just not that type of player. This guy wants to win a Stanley Cup really bad and he wants to bring it to Nashville. So I'm in no way worried about him uh, taking his foot off the gas or having a down year because maybe he's just not focused as much as he was Mm -hmm. last year because last year he knew it was a contract. He's not, he's a team first guy. He's not a me first type of player at all. So I'm not worried about that aspect of it at all. Uh, Kyle, what what were you thinking there about his upcoming season? I think he really needs to start off on a good one. Um, uh, I have every bit of confidence in Phil that he could repeat or even exceed his season last year. I think your biggest things are going to be, does he stay healthy? Does he play 75 plus games? That's, that's a big one. I, I yep. would be ex- extremely happy if he played 75 <laughs> games. He hasn't he hasn't hit that type of number in a few years. He was 69 games last year. Um, so him and Soros played about the same number of games. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, it's just I think he's got it in him to do it. It's just does he stay healthy? And do they keep the lines, the chemistry up that they had last year? That uh, the Granlin, Duchesne, and Forsberg line, if they pick right up where they left off, mm-hmm. they're one of the best lines in the entire league. Uh, I mean, you had Granlin getting up there in some of the highest assist total in the Preds history, and then you had two 40-plus goal scorers on either side of them. That's a pretty dang good line. I don't care what team you're on. For now, sure. And now getting Nino and yeah. everything to go on the second line, uh, I think that'll also open it up for Phillip because you can't just throw everything out there to try to shut down that one line. Because that's what they mm-hmm. did in the playoffs and everything else. But at the end of the season, they would put – everything out there to stop that line from scoring or having chances. And then it's like, Oh, the second line's not going to do anything. You got to worry about the uh, third line. And then the fourth Mm -hmm. line's not going to do anything. Yeah. So, so here's my, here's my thing. I'm not worried about regular season Forsberg, even the slightest. I'm not worried about regular season Forsberg. He's going to have himself another really productive year. He, you know, other than maybe Roman Yossi, he'll lead the league team in points he'll, uh, and all that stuff. And he might push for 90 points and, and set another career high and break it, set another single season record for the Predators franchise. I am way more focused on postseason Forsberg because his last mm-hmm. two postseason campaigns 
were nothing to write home about, and he would tell you that personally if you asked him. Uh, he's just – it's no, maybe not to no fault of his own. The whole team stank this past off, this past postseason, except for maybe Yakov Trenin and Connor Ingram. <laughs> and Connor Ingram, you know, but, I mean, let's look at Forsberg's last two playoff uh, appearances. Last year's playoffs, he only had one goal in four games. The playoffs before that, three points in six games. So he's only got four points in his last 10 playoff games. Um, let's see, 2018-19, he put up only two points in six playoff games. Uh, one of his first playoff appearances at age 21, he only had four points in 14 playoff games. So he's, he's had like four or five playoff appearances where he just wasn't the same player he was in the regular season. <clears throat> so players who get contracts like what he just got have to show up in the postseason. Absolutely. Has to. I will take I will take decreased production from him in the regular season if he shows up in the postseason. I'll make that trade off. Preds got to yeah, have him. Preds have to have him show up in a big way in the postseason. That's why you give him that contract. Yeah, for sure. I would make that trade as well. A little less production during the year, and then just turn it on at the in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Take that any day. I agree. He's he's got to be your guy. He's got to be. That's why you signed him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, it's either you've got two choices of who's going to be your guy. It's him or Matt Duchesne. They're they they need to be the man, but the other guy has to be right behind them. Yeah, they had to be the guys. So, and and that list I just shared where uh, Forsberg was third in the league in goals per sixty minutes. Listen to this list, guys. So uh, Austin Matthews was number one, Chris Kreider number two, Forsberg number three, Ovechkin four, Dreisaitl five, Jason Robertson six, Kaprizov seven, Pasternak eight, Matt Duchesne <laughs> came in at number nine. <clears throat> there you go. And then number 10, Brock Nelson. So, I mean, that is some very Big elite names. company that Forsberg found himself on on that list. He was also fifth in offensive zone starts percentage, so he was used a lot offensively, obviously. 32 even strength goals, which was ninth in the league. And so, um, I mean, it's just he really put it all together in the perfect season to get paid. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, people have very, very short memories. If he somehow has a really down year, then the criticism is going to be very, very loud. So Forsberg's got a lot of pressure on him. But I'm sure he welcomes that because he knows he can put it all together and he wants to win a cup for this team. So let's see what happens. All right, so that is our first three players to kick off the National Predators 2022-23 season preview. Mm. We will do three more players in next week's episode. We are going to get through the entire roster before the season opens. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think these season previews are going to get harder and harder as we get down to some of these other players, though. We well, kind of started sure. off with the easy ones. <clears throat> yeah, they are pretty easy. Yeah, just do what you did last year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just... Year, but, but just a little bit better, you'll be fine. Right. All right, episode 140. This is Catfish on Ice presented by DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, even during the NHL offseason, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all of your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of this season like never before. Guys, what kind of sports are we watching this offseason since we don't have hockey? 
Oh, that's a Kyle, good. I'm glad Kyle, you brought that up, Kyle, I, Rich. I, we already talked about this last week, Rich. You said you're watching Underground. No, no, um, Underground no, no. Magic. The Underground no. Magic: The Gathering. Is that what I'm you're talking saying? about? I'm talking about what I saw on ESPN the other day. Oh yeah, I saw you share it. Share it with everybody. The world. What it was the United States Air Hockey Tournament. I'm so mad I missed that. There were guys. Not only playing air hockey, but analyzing how they held the little paddle, um, the way the the player uh, would flick his wrist, whatnot. They were actually breaking down how he hit his shot. There's a whole art to it. There's a whole art to it, I guess. There's a huge art to it. It's not just it's not just putting fifty cents in a machine at Chuck E. Cheese and and hitting the (laughs) and hitting the uh, the little air hockey puck as hard as you can. Um, but yeah, there was, there was, there's apparently a league and there's a guy who's the champion of the league, the whole nine yards. So I think you, I wonder if you can, I bet you can bet on that on DraftKings. I bet yeah, probably, I, I mean, it, for me, it's ax throwing. We were talking about it last week. Yep. I love watching the ax throwing. I think it's on every like Sunday morning at like the most random time. But, um, yeah, I was, I, I couldn't get enough of it when it was on the other day. I'm into the ax throwing. What about you, Kyle? I'm trying to think if I have watched a sport. <laughs> wow okay i've watched part of a nascar race does that count that counts nascar is NASCAR a sport i watched the indycar race in nashville sunday oh yeah that was exciting that that's, those that's are awesome. fun i love watching that man that's, that's great. fun yeah it's good stuff all right so yeah down there, right remember when you had to drive through there when the, yeah <laughs> when they yeah had that the, was the road all blocked off it was so weird driving down the track like yeah mm. driving to work that day i was literally driving down an indy car track in my yeah. piece of piece of crap nissan Sentra. so yeah. <laughs> sure. oh yeah you're, you're like i'm a i'm an indy car driver look at me yeah and then, and then my piece uh, of crap car yeah max greenberg our buds in here i haven't watched any other sports now that Heck surprises yeah, me. That surprises me, me that Max, because Max is an all sports kind of guy. If you follow he his sure tweets, is. he tweets all. He tweets football. He tweets. He gets into it all. So I'm really surprised. I guess we don't have any baseball fans around here because no one's no. brought up baseball. No, not really. I, I like trying, uh, I like baseball, but I can't watch it. I like going. I like going yeah, to. I, a game I'd love to go part. to a game. Yeah, but I fun. can't sit and watch a baseball game. It is. Now I have sat and watched all three major major league movies. Does that count? That counts. Uh, I don't know if that counts. I've, I've watched Field of Dreams. Does that count? That's, That's a great good. movie. One of the best sports really movies good. ever. Um, yeah, baseball is one of those sports where you can uh, like I do this all the time. I'll fall asleep in like the third inning, and then I'll wake up in the eighth inning, and I'll feel like I didn't miss any of the game. <laughs> That's great. And there's like, nothing it's the, better. It's than the exact hot dogs. It's it's literally the exact opposite of hockey, where you can't even turn away for thirty seconds and you'll miss something. Like no, yeah, it, they're two completely different ends of the spectrum. But anyway, what we're trying to say is you can find a sport to bet on with DraftKings to get you through yes. the off season, and you use our promo code THPN. See how we tied all that together? All right, download the draft, download the DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk free bet up to one thousand dollars. That's promo code. THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes below for details on if you need any type of gambling help. There are resources available for you to do that. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit, withdraw your cash, 
whenever you want. Again, DraftKings promo code THPN. Let's get into our favorite NHL nicknames in mm. the sports history. I've got some good ones, guys. I don't have these ranked or anything like that. I just That's literally started writing down names. Started writing down <laughs> names. Let's start with the obvious one first because it is it's so synonymous. Even if you're not a hockey fan, you know this nickname. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows who he is for sure. You know you it's know a great you know it's a great nickname when people who don't even watch hockey know what the great one is. That that means it yeah. was a pretty good nickname. Yeah. He was the best. The best there ever was. The craziest one of the craziest sports stats of all time is <laughs> if you took away if you took away all of Wayne Gretzky's goals, he would still be the all-time leading point scorer in NHL mm-hmm. history, just based off all of his assists. Like yep, the first time sense. I ever heard the first time I ever heard that stat, I thought that someone was BSing me. And then I ended up looking it up and I'm like, oh my God, that's actually legit. Yeah. Blows your mind. It is. It's insane. And cool. uh Rich, give us one. Give us one that you came so across. I've got like I've got I've got several, and they're all funny. Uh, so I'm going to do like two at a time, really quick ones. So the top of the list is Jake DeBrusque. So obviously people call him Jake the Snake or whatever. But the, the best one that I saw on the list was Jake from State Farm. I think that's oh. like, like his, his nickname, uh, that's which, good. Is, which is pretty good. And then <clears throat> the second one is uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Um One of them – there's a bunch of, of them on here, um, Dr. Dre – is, is Dr. One of Dre. Them. All right. I've never awesome. heard that awesome. one for him. And then another one is Dr. Icidal, like Dreisidal, but Dr. Icidal. Okay. So, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. This was just some weird list I found. So it, they might not even be legit, but they're funny. So I thought hey, they were good. Dr. Dre, that's my favorite. So I'm going to go a little old school, a little bit more older. Uh, Derek Bugard, the boogeyman. I came across that one. I loved that one. I did too. Yeah, that's great. The boogie. And man. since I'll stay on that one, and I'll throw a Preds guy in there, Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper. I, oh yeah, I wrote that one down. That is. I a wrote good that one. one down for sure. Stu Grimson. He only played thirty nine games for the Preds, but you know what? It's okay. No, he played thirty games. Only thirty games for the Preds. Yeah, but he still loves the Preds. Season. Oh yeah, he's for still, sure. He he's still loves Nashville. And he does NHL Network coverage, too. He does a really good job mm-hmm. on there. Um, but, yeah, he uh, – listen to this. 583 career penalty minutes, only 39 <laughs> career points. Wow. <laughs> That's epic. That's pretty amazing. All right, that so I've got one. I ne- I really didn't know – I had heard of this player. I mean, this player played way back in, like, the 70s into the early 90s, but I came across this nickname and thought it was one of the coolest nicknames ever. Secretary of Defense, Rod Langway. Secretary of Defense, that's awesome. Rod Langway played from 1978 to 1993, mostly for the Capitals' two-time Norris Trophy winner. Like I said, maybe you've heard the name before, but really don't know a lot about him. But that nickname really stood out, Secretary of Defense. I love that. That's great. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Another former Pred player, and he actually covers the team currently, the USS Hal Gill for Hal Gill. Oh, there you giant. go. 
like a giant ship. Yep. I saw that one too. I actually had never heard him called that before. I haven't either. Yeah. But his it was it was yeah. on the hockey writers uh website and uh so I was like, I guess that's legit. I've never heard him called that before, but yeah, it's pretty either. cool. The USS Halgill. That's good. So I've got a Preds player, and this is one of my favorite ones. Um, and it's really fun when he scores. That's Mikel Granlin. Because you can always yeah. you can always do the our granny is better than your granny yep. thing yeah. or, or whatever. And then um um they, they started calling him <clears throat> Granny Apples last year, which was yeah. pretty good. I like they that. They did. They did. I like that a lot. You're and not then, gonna uh, beat you're not gonna beat Granny. Granny's like you're, just you know they that. do that for all the players, like they'll do like the uh the Y the at the end. Mm-hmm. But it worked it works so great with Granlin's name though. Yeah, and there were um, there were two on the list for for UC Soros. Obviously, Juice. Everybody knows that one. But then, like people call him Juicy Juice, and I really don't like no, that. No, I don't like that. That, that doesn't sound. I don't. I don't that's a little that. creepy sounding. It is a little creepy. Yeah, sounding, but but, but there's nothing better than being in Bridgetown and hearing everybody yell Juice. That's the best. Yeah. So, that's my favorite. So all right, I, I'll go. I'll go two more. Okay. And I'm I'm doing one that you've already said, Chad. Um, how Gill Skillsy, Skillsy, yeah, that's the one I knew him for. That's the one I knew. Do you know why he's called that? Uh, how did you find this out? I want to know, yeah, for sure. He's he's talked about it several times. It's because, uh, basically, no Skillsy, um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) he's just out there in large, is just basically it. No, and my other one. Would be Curtis Joseph Cujo. Oh yeah, wow. I wrote that, that one down as one. well. Yes, and that goalie, great his team. his goalie mask was so cool too because it actually mm-hmm. had like the dog, the ferocious yep. dog on his goalie helmet. That's awesome. Yeah, I came across that one. That one was cool. Another goaltender and probably one of the arguably, definitely, probably top five best goaltender of all time. Dominique Hasek was called the Dominator. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and that, that was perfect for him because that's literally what he would do. He would he would just you you would go. But there's stories of if you were going up against Dominic Hasek in his heyday, you just were going to take the L. Like you kind of felt like we we're just going to take the L tonight because he's probably yeah. not going to give up a goal, no matter sure. how many shots we put on him. He's not going to give up a goal. But um, sure. all right, you did Cujo. That was a good one. I had that one on my list. All right. I've got one, but it was for a line. It was for a line combination. They had a nickname for this line combination. This was back in the early 1990s for the Philadelphia Flyers. It was the line combination of Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, and, and Mikhail Renberg. They were called the Legion of Boom. Oh, wow. Because they would go out and lay people out. So maybe they were the Legion of Boom before we had the herd line, which kind of does the same thing. I remember that watching that game when they named the herd line. They were all so proud of themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's it great. Was, uh, and it's, it's oh, it is great. It's great. And then, okay, remember how I told you guys that I went back and found like some players from like literally over a century oh, yeah. ago. So I came up the one I found that was really cool. This guy, and you need to go look up this guy's history. This is like a. This guy was probably the first. They called him the first "quote unquote" superstar of hockey. Like going back to 1906 was when he first started playing in 
the hockey leagues. I don't even know if it was the NHL at that point. Fred, Fred Cyclone Taylor. Cyclone. It's called the Cyclone. That's, That's pretty surprising to think of a nickname all the way back in the early 1900s, and you were called Cyclone. Yeah. Like that's a cool. That's a cool nickname. That's a cool nickname today. And you were called that back in 1906. I mean, he probably had a mustache like Philip Forsberg's, and said things like "You'll never take me alive, Copper." Things like that. (laughs) All right. All right. I got. I'm gonna do like three really fast ones, and then I'll be done with my list. So number one is Tomas Hurdle. I've heard him called Ninja Hurdle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. (laughs) <laughs> and hurdle the turtle i've heard all those before um so this one is cool so this is nazim kadri he's got a few apparently one's nazim the dream which is good but my favorite on the list and i don't even know what this means well i mean i do know what it means but it's just weird that this is his nickname nifty mittens what i that's what it said nifty mittens i, I don't see the connection there but okay i don't either i couldn't i couldn't put it together i think these are fan submissions here well, they're still know. good I mean, they're I, still I good a, i found it on a list this one's pretty good so jason spezza everybody remembers him he played for mm-hmm. toronto he's now in the front office one of his nicknames was apparently captain giggles which <laughs> i don't know what that means but this is my favorite uh, the best one of the night spez dispenser yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's my favorite. So, all right, good list. those are good. All right, I got. I'm gonna submit a new nickname for Tanner Janot. All right, good. I came. I came up with this while I was doing this whole exercise earlier today. I hope you, it's it's kind of cheesy, but I like it. Tanner the Hammer Janot. Oh, there you go, Tanner the it, Hammer. It rhymes. He definitely hits people like a hammer. He does. Tanner the hammer. I'm going with it. We'll submit it. Dropping the hammer. You mentioning Tanner made me remember that we forgot one of the greatest hockey players of all time who's from the same province as Tanner, from the same middle of nowhere type place as Tanner. That's Gordy Howe. Oh, yeah. Mr. Freaking Hockey, Gordy Howe. Mr. Hockey, yeah. That's my long lost relative. Uncle Gordo, we call him. <laughs> I had no idea you were long lost relative Gordy Howe, Rich. You hey, I'm going to tell, tell you a story. My dad has, has said, I don't know if he's just talking out of his rear end or whatever, but he said that we are somehow related to him. I don't know if I we're believe go it, with it We're going with but, it. But you know what? I'll take it if, if it's – if it's true, I, I, th- I, I think you need to go get a free trial to ancestry.com right now. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, for sure. It, you could do the free trial for like seven days and uh, just don't forget to cancel it and then get all the information. We got to get down to the bottom of this. Are you related to my, I'm going to be claiming some of that Gordo of money. Yeah, we're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> all right. Back when they played for $5,000 a year. No, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. All right, we got a couple more things to get into before we get to our interview with Eric Deneyev on the future to talk about the world juniors, talk about some of the Preds prospects who are competing in it, some teams to watch, some players to watch. And also, we also, me and Eric also talked about some of the biggest current Preds prospects, including Irislav Askarov, Igor Afanasyev, and Luke Evangelista, and their 
their development paths and what Eric thinks their next step is going into this upcoming season. You don't want to miss that interview that's coming up here at the end of this episode. It was some really good stuff from Eric, as it always is. We always learn something new when he joins the podcast. All right. So we mentioned it earlier. Yakov Training gets his arbitration deal. Two years, 1.7 million AAV. Came in a little lower on the AAV than I thought it was going to be for him. I thought he would have been closer to 2 million, honestly. But, um, yeah, so it's a good deal for the Preds. They still, because now the Preds still have a projected cap space of still 2.775 million per cap friendly. So, yeah, the Preds still have some money to spend right now. It seemed a little weird that if they want to. I think, I think what he wanted was, was about right. I know the Preds obviously want to save as much as they can, but like we talked about it maybe last week. I don't remember, but like, he was the only spark on that team when they were in a slump last season. Like he, I think he's, he well deserves, he actually deserves more than he got through arbitration personally. I, I think there were, there were several occasions last season where the Preds were sleepwalking through the game yeah. and Yak and Yakov Trenin would bulldog his way down the ice for a goal. Yeah. Um, and and that's the kind of stuff that you're you're th- if he continues to play in that way he continues to just get better and better then he can easily be a 20 plus goal scorer in this league as a bottom 6 um bottom 6 player which is i mean if you can get a 20 plus goal production from a bottom 6 player that that's what allows you to compete with some of the best teams in the league is when you start getting that depth scoring from players like Yakov Trenin. Um, I just misspoke there. It, the Preds cap space is 2.394 million. So mm. um, I was looking at a different number there. Uh, Yakov Trenin's total career earnings before this new contract was 2.775 million. So now he's going to make, so now he's going to make 3.4 million in the next two years. So he's definitely getting a pay raise. Um, he's definitely, get, but that's definitely not going to be his big NHL contract if he ends up getting one. That will come at the end of these two years. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like his two-year tryout to get the really big NHL contract that he hopes to get. So you, you got to expect Yakov Trenin to put in all the hard work to um, to get that next big contract in two years because he will be a, a UFA at the end yeah. of these two years. So, yeah. He's a he's a awesome player, man. I love watching him play. He's one of my favorite guys to watch play, for sure. Yeah. And you know, I've thrown this question out there: Are we for sure going to keep the herd line together? I think you have to, um, at least to open the season. Just go the safe route. You know what you mm-hmm. got with them. Um, I just think that it would be too risky to break those the, that that group up. Um, you'd be kind of like kind of messing with the chemistry when you don't have to mm-hmm. at least to yeah. open the season. Yep. You can yeah. always tinker with it. You can always, yeah. if, if something's not going right and maybe, you know, we got to, we, cause we're really wondering who's going to be on the other wing with Niederreiter and Johansson. That's kind of the question we're all trying to figure out there. And if for some reason they struggle to figure that out, then they might have to break up the herd line, but yeah. let's hope that d- isn't required. Let's hope that everything kind of falls into the place right when the season starts. Yeah. But uh, good stuff there because that was one of the last major offseason to do things on the to do list was getting Yakov Trenin officially signed with his new contract. And so that can be crossed off now. And Preds have a little bit of cap space left. The only player I see out there 
is, I mean, it's a free agent anyway, is, is, is Phil Kessel still hanging around out there. And the projected cap space that the Preds have, they could actually sign Phil Kessel if they wanted to. They have enough cap space to do that. I'm not Why saying not? they should do it. I'm not saying they should do it. I'm just saying that they do have the cap space. Why not? Make it happen. Just go full yee-yee at it. And do it. That's right. Just go That'll for get it. the fans talking, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah, it will. And they're going to have to up their uh, hot dog sales, their hot dog uh, ordering, if they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever, however many hot dogs they order every year for Bridgestone Arena, they're going to have to, like, times that by, like, 10. Yeah. If they bring Phil Kessel in. At least. He likes his hot dogs, apparently. I just want him for the memes. Just give me, give <laughs> oh, me my this. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. I can make the memes about it. Ky- Kyle, you- I, will, I will never ask for anything again. Kyle, you'll ha- Kyle, you'll have so much firepower in your arsenal for memes if they bring on Phil Kessel. I'm going to tell you, man. That By is the way, I miss your memes. I, I miss. miss your memes. Yeah, I that's what back. I was getting ready to say. I need them back in my life. There is nothing better than a surprise meme from you on a game night. That's just hilarious. <laughs> we're going to get them. I know. We're going to get them. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's All one right. thing I do miss. I have to dust them off. I haven't made any in a while. That's all right. There's there's nothing to meme about right now. That's true. You're saving it all up. You got to save that creative energy. There's there's nothing to meme about. (laughs) Oh, there's plenty of stuff. It's just not stuff. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Let's not dive into that. Yeah. All right. Let's let's close it out with this question before we get to on the future. Who is the biggest threat to the Colorado Avalanche in the Central Division? Of course, we all expect them to to win the division again and maybe even repeat as Stanley Cup champions. But is there a th- who is the biggest threat if we're going to name one? Is it the Predators or I still think it's the St. Louis Blues perfectly or personally. But the Preds, I'm telling you, they got a puncher's chance to to battle for second place in the division this year. I, I truly feel that way. What do you guys think, uh, Rich? I, I would say. <clears throat> I mean, you never want to count the Blues out. They're scrappy, that's for sure. But the Predators, I think, if everything clicks like it did last year and with the the additions that they made, I think they have a really good shot um, if everything can just go their way and not have any bad luck. Um, I don't don't think the Predators – if they play well, they won't fall out of the top three, I don't think. The only reason I have the only reason I have the Blues slightly ahead of the Predators is just because the Blues are deeper. They're still deeper yeah. even after this offseason. They do have more scoring. They do have more proven veterans. Here's where I make the equalizer a little bit closer to the Preds. The Blues, I'm sorry, but their goaltending situation is I don't trust Jordan Bennington at all. And then they just lost Huso. They lost Huso this offseason. Yep. So you mean to tell me that Jordan Bennington is going to be a um, Stanley Cup caliber type of goaltender that can carry the Blues to the promised land? I just don't see it. I know he's done it before, but once, <laughs> once, and yeah, it was great for him. But I don't know, man. I just don't trust Jordan Bennington as their goaltender, so yeah. that's why I feel like the Preds are right there behind the Blues. Like yeah. they're ever so close. No disrespect to the Minnesota Wild. Um, they're obviously going to be in the mix as well, but the Preds yeah. had great success against the Minnesota Wild last season, so they, they don't scare me head to head. And the Preds got even better, and if anything, the Blues got worse this offseason. So, yeah, 
that's what I was going to say about the Blues. Like, I knew about Huso, and then they lot like David Perron. Like, he was a really good player for them, and they don't have him. And I haven't kept up with who else they've gotten or lost or whatever, but you just never can count them out. But I think the Predators are, are sitting pretty good this this year, so coming up. So, I think honestly, the only threat to the uh, Avalanche is Giant Meteor. Um, uh, yeah but yeah if you're looking at it objectively st louis probably i think minnesota is going to take a nosedive because they're going to have to ride flurry and flurry's not a young guy no Uh, they ticked cam talbot off and now he's at the senators uh You've got all this dead cap on the suitor and uh oh yeah who's the other guy? Crazy and crazy. Yeah. Um um you've got all this dead cap from them. They can't make any moves. They're just they're it is kind of it dead is. in the water. They can't make any <laughs> trades or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Nashville I, because I don't th- I Dallas is confusing to me. Because you never know what they're going to be. Every year they're so hard to figure out. They are, for sure. Because who's going to be their starting goalie? Is it Ottinger? Is Ottinger going to be their guy? Definitely. Uh, um, I think. I mean, that's that. He's a dangerous goalie. The interesting (laughs) thing about Ottinger is he is night and day different from playoff playoffs to uh regular season it's like he takes off in the playoffs and and plays like he's an elite goaltender but in the regular season he's very ordinary so Mm -hmm. but he's still a very very young goaltender as well he's 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 around the same age as Soros, maybe a little bit younger so i mean there's a the the stars are going to be another one of those teams that'll that'll battle for the wild card bubble but i'm not going to put them ahead of the predators yeah as far as the avalanche Max Greenberg, of all the teams in the Central who made the playoffs, we're the only one who got better. I agree with that. That's yeah, fair. That's a good, that's you know, a good speaking of which, if since we're talking about the Central Division, I think the Central Division as a whole is not nearly as scary as it once was oh, God, a couple no. years ago. I mean, because Winnipeg has taken a step back. Yeah. I think Winnipeg is not going to – I mean, they don't scare me anymore. And then, of course, you got the train wrecks of Chicago and Arizona – um, so there's going to be a lot of points to be had for the Predators head-to-head in this division if they mm-hmm. are indeed a better team than they were last year, which we're all thinking they should be. So, yeah, it, it's looking pretty hopeful that the Predators can – I'm not saying that they're going to legitimately, like, scare the Avalanche. I could see the Avalanche winning this division by comfortably by, like, 10 points mm-hmm. easily. But for the sake of this exercise – it's very fair to say that that the next teams up in the division, you got one A St. Louis, one B Nashville. Yep, that's and then everybody, and then everybody else. Then let the rest of them fight. But the Avs are still probably going to win this division pretty handedly. I would I would have to say, unless they just get ravaged by injuries and something unforeseen happens, uh, then the Avs should be able to win this division pretty pretty comfortably. Unfortunately. Because they're just you that got good. the the terrifying abs for one more year, and then you find out what Nathan McKinnon does. Mm. Yep. Mm. So for sure, yeah, it's gonna be fun though. 
uh, with all these heightened expectations for the Predators compared to where we were last year when we were a lot more uh, cautious about predicting for them. Yeah. Um, that also brings the opportunity to be let down. So uh, let's yeah, just hope that all let's hope that all this all this excitement is for good reason. We're hyping it up pretty good, that's for sure. Well, to Michael know, Scott, I'm ready to be heard again. There you go. Uh, yeah, but hey, that's why we do this. All right, yep. this is episode 140 of Catfish on Ice. We appreciate you watching the live stream. We're yes. hopping off the live stream now. We're going to get you ready for the interview with On the Future Eric Denae to round out episode 140. This has been Catfish and Ice with Chad Mitchell Howe and Kyle Perkins, brought to you by DraftKings, promo code THPN. Thanks for joining us. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube right now. It helps a lot. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Catfish Ice. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. And welcome back in. This is Catfish on Ice Podcast, episode 140, as we get you ready for the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship. And we've got a great guest joining us, and that is Eric Tanay of On the Future. Coming back to the podcast, uh, always have a great time when he joins us. We always learn something when he joins the podcast. And so what better time than day one of the World Junior Championship. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, I'm doing well. Excited to uh, talk about this tournament that's at a bit of a weird time of the year, so won't complain about hockey in August. Though. Right, yeah, exactly. It snuck up on me. Like, So I didn't realize it was happening today until um, literally yesterday. That shows you how disconnected I was from from hockey. Like, Honestly, August is the probably the slowest month of the calendar i feel like for hockey if you're a big hockey fan and, and stuff so just i haven't really been thinking about hockey nearly as much and next thing i know i'm like wait a minute that really big tournament that i love to watch every year is actually got rescheduled and it's happening today so um so yeah it's awesome eric jumped in here on a busy day for him so uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about three really exciting prospects for the preds who are going to be competing in this tournament we're going to look at some teams that we need to be watching for and some other good stuff from Eric. Let's get it going here with kind of let's catch up all the listeners here on why it's being played in August. What kind of happened? What what kind of impact could this have on the players? Uh, because, you know, athletes are creatures of habit. And so it might be kind of weird for them to be playing in August. Well, what's your take on that? Yeah, so um, basically, you know, if you might recall, this this tournament normally happens in uh, December and into early January. Um, last year's tournament lasted about two games, uh, and then it was canceled uh, due to COVID-19. Um, that decision was, I think, very divisive, but regardless, here we are. Um, and it was ultimately rescheduled um, for right now. So. It's interesting, we're gonna have the 2022 World Juniors uh, here in August, and then the 2023 World Juniors will go ahead as scheduled in December. Um, and I guess the, the two big developments here that have happened since last December are, uh, one, uh, Russia and Belarus have been banned from playing uh, in these IHF tournaments. Um, so as a result, uh, Latvia and Austria have squeezed in uh, well, Austria was already there, but Latvia squeezed in um, to take Russia's place. Uh, and then the other thing is um, teams were allowed to 
So the World Juniors are an under 20 tournament, um, but teams were allowed to bring back players who would technically be ineligible this year, but uh, were eligible in December. Uh, and they were also um, allowed to amend uh, their rosters. So uh, it's a bit of an interesting tournament. Um, we're seeing a lot more 2023 draft or 2022 draft picks, excuse me, than uh, we obviously would have last December. And you know, on top of that, there's a handful of players who uh, opted not to go play um, because they wanted to focus on um, getting ready for NHL training camp. They wanted to, uh, you know, not have to worry about injury. I think the team that those concerns have probably hit the hardest is Slovakia. Um, their three best players are all not um, playing in this tournament um, because of those concerns. So uh, it's a bit of a different uh, kind of feel than it normally is. But, you know, that's where we're at. Yeah, that's an interesting layer that you uh, laid out there about the fact that training camp is just like around a month away, basically. And so if you're a really highly touted draft pick and prospect, then it's it brings up a really tough decision that you have to make personally, uh, because I'm sure a lot of almost all of these players want to play in the World Juniors. But at the same time, if you if you've got high NHL upside, you don't want to risk an injury. You don't want to risk anything that could negatively impact your your NHL path. So, didn't even really think about it from that perspective. But yeah, it's 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 just the, the NHL calendar is still not completely caught up based on what happened with COVID nineteen and everything. Okay, so um, let's let's get to some. Who are some of the favorites this year? I know that it's always Team USA and Team Canada, obviously. So we can talk about some of the players on each of those teams that we should be watching. That I'm sure a lot of people already know about but give us another i don't know dark horse team whether it's finland you know finland's always up there uh, give us just a couple teams that we're really watching for maybe your dark horse team that might be able to give canada and team usa a run for silver or gold yeah um you know without the russians it, it kind of opens up the pool a little bit um unfortunately this tournament is going to feel particularly with some of the better talent on some of the the lower teams not um, not coming, I think it's going to feel a little little top heavy. Um, you know, you mentioned Canada and U.S. Uh, and and Finland and Sweden will join that club. Um, off of that, I mean, um, the Czechs I think have a good team, but uh, they have done their best to to stumble and shoot themselves in the foot in recent years. So um, who's who's to say? You know, how exactly they'll compete? Um, I think Finland's going to be an interesting team to watch. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of uh, created this uh, mold of, of, of junior player that they produce. And, and um, that group has been really successful at the U20 level for um, a handful of years now. So uh, Canada and to a lesser degree, the U.S. are kind of the high, you know, the, the, the um, high power teams here. But uh, Finland, um, I think it has the ability to take advantage of some weaknesses, um, you know, particularly Team USA has continued their tradition of not just picking their 25 best players um, for a tournament. Uh, notably, Frank Nazar, who was the Blackhawks 13th overall pick this past, uh, or I guess a month ago, um, was left off their roster. Um, a curious decision. Logan Cooley will be there. Um, you know, Matthew Nyes, Thomas Bordalo, Matt Cord uh, Coronado. Um, but the team to beat is really going to be Canada. Um, you know, they're, they're, Headlined by Mason McTavish, he's a Ducks prospect who is is quite good. Um, behind him, you know, Ken Johnson, the Blue Jackets, Logan Stankoven with the Stars, uh, Josh Roy with the Irwa with the Canadians, and then 
Uh, I think the big name of this tournament and and the the person everyone's going to be talking about once Canada gets underway is uh, Connor Bedard, who seems on track to be the first overall pick next year in 2023. Um, he uh, uh, he is um, you know for all intents and purposes he could very well be Canada's best player um, at this tournament. So. Uh, we'll have to see what that looks like. I think they're going to be the top team to beat, but um, you know, Finland and Sweden should be able to give uh, them a run for their money. Yeah, I've been seeing some clips of Bedard, and this guy is—I mean, his highlight reel tape is fun to watch for sure. So uh, that's going to be a big one to watch. A big player, Team Canada is always going to put it out there. But yeah, Finland and Sweden, and then let's kind of like segue into some three. Uh, the three Preds prospects that are competing. Uh, we're being joined by Eric Denae of On the Future of SB Nation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about the three Preds players here. We got Simon Knack of Switzerland. We've got Joachim Kamel of Finland, who was this year's draft pick in the first round. Many people say he was a major, major steal for the Preds, and not a lot of people expected him to fall as far as he did. And then we've got Anton Olsen of Sweden, the defenseman. So let's start. Let's go ahead and start with um, Anton Olsen and get your thoughts on him. Um, some of the things I've I've read out there is just he was a third round pick in 2021, and he's got some good good skills for sure. Maybe he could track to be a third pairing defenseman in the NHL eventually. But I want to get your thoughts on what you're looking for from him because honestly, I haven't seen a lot of. Um, he hasn't really gotten a lot of uh, junior other than junior play. I really haven't seen a lot of professional play from him from what I'm seeing. So I'm really interested to, to get your take on, on Anton Olsen of Sweden. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's an interesting player. Um, he, you know, when he was drafted his, uh, the biggest, I don't want to say concern, but the biggest, I guess, knock on his game was that he was really always concentrated in his own end. That's not to say that he couldn't get the puck out of his own end. He just contributed almost nothing offensively. Um, you know, that, uh, certainly is not an easy path uh, to get to the NHL, but I think he, over last season, um, playing in the Swedish SHL, he made some some good improvements to his um, to his offensive game, and uh, he'll be switching clubs this year um, over in Sweden to play for um, Skellefteå, which uh, is where Adam Willsby just came from, um, and taking on more minutes, taking on more responsibility uh, on special teams. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's your kind of traditional, you know, um, third pairing defenseman. He's solid defensively, uh, when he played he, so he was on Sweden's world junior roster back in December. He, um, got some, some significant penalty killing time. Um, he looked pretty solid overall, although he was, um, I will politely say, uh, embarrassed by Matt Vemichkov on a goal against team Russia, uh, which there's no shame in that he'll, yeah. probably be a top five pick in the in the draft next year but um he is a solid defenseman overall the curious thing about this year he was actually initially left off um sweden's roster uh for this makeup tournament because they had invited a handful of um 2022 draft picks that were you know first rounders and then because um one of them pulled out uh again wanting to you know be more prepared for the start of the regular season all that stuff. Uh, Olsen was added back um, to this roster. Simultaneously, he is also on the camp roster for the 2023 World Juniors team. Uh, and their training camp uh, is actually happening later this month. So um, he's pulling a little bit of double duty right now. 
I think this tournament will be interesting for him in practice and in the um, pre-tournament games. He's been lining up as uh, as an extra defender for the most part. So uh, we'll kind of see how much ice time he's going to get. The other thing I'll add to that is um, in uh, yesterday, Monday's pre-tournament game against Canada, he uh, suffered an injury. Um, unclear the severity of it. He did not practice today on Tuesday, but uh, he hasn't been ruled out for their first game. Uh, which is tomorrow. So, um, well, that'll be something to monitor. But, um, you know, if he does play, depending on how much time he gets, you know, expect a quiet tournament, but a good defensive effort is, is, is uh, you know, particularly against uh, high-end talent that he'll be facing will be a positive result. So, yeah. And then let's get to the other two uh, prospects here for the Preds who are in this tournament who are will have – significantly bigger roles for their team than Olsen does. Let's get to Simon uh, Knack, who is honestly a prospect that I'm just, the more I look up his stuff, the more, the more interested and intrigued I get by him. Um, I feel like he's got some upside here. Uh, he, I love that he's a winger. I love that he's got a two way ability to him from what I'm reading from scouting reports and stuff. And from the stuff I've seen from you as well. And so I'm really, really excited to actually watch him for uh, uh, for Switzerland in this tournament. Um, just wanted to share uh, Hockey Writers, which put out a lot of good stuff. Uh, tags uh, Knack as a player to watch for um, a Swiss team that's probably lacking a lot of scoring talent. And so maybe Knack can stick out as a player who is going to be captain of this team. So, And he's a good two-way player, apparently. So, uh, uh Eric, give us your thoughts on Simon Knack, who was a sixth-round pick in 2021. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, two-way game is real, really good. Um, he was playing in the um, professional league in Switzerland last year. He'll be back there again this year. Um, didn't put up a ton of points, but it's a men's league, so that's to be expected. Um, he was drafted as an overager and I think has really taken good strides uh, in improving his skating. Um, you know, skating speed was – kind of always the big, um, the big hiccup, but he works hard. Um, you know, this is a tournament that I think he'll do well in. Um, Switzerland is going to struggle uh, against part of their group there. They've got USA, Sweden, and then Austria and Germany. Um, you know, they should have the ability to come out of that group in, in third place and, and make it to the playoff. Um, and if they do, he'll be a big reason why. Um, as you mentioned, he's captaining this team. Uh, he's playing on their top line. Um, he's going to be their offensive engine um, and, and, and really just works hard around the net. You know, he certainly has the ability to score a, a nice goal, a Joachim Kemmel's type goal, but um, most of the effort, his efforts come, you know, in tight areas around the net. And um, he's going to be that, you know, balance leader for that team. And it'll be interesting too, because he was actually kind of uh, patient zero for the COVID outbreak in December. Um, mm. He was the first player who uh, tested positive when teams were flying into Canada and uh, he actually had a quarantine right away and uh, never got to play and was stuck in a hotel room in Red Deer, Alberta, um, well after the tournament was canceled mm. until his quarantine was over. So uh, he's technically aged out of this tournament, but obviously got grandfathered in. So this will be his last um, kind of go at things. And, uh, you know, if, if the Swiss kind of do anything special this, uh, this tournament, then he'll certainly be a big reason why. All right. Awesome stuff there. All right. And then finally, let's get to the um... – to the player that everyone's buzzing about right now because of uh, just time-wise, we just got we just drafted this player, and that's a uh, Joachim Kamel of uh, Finland, who uh, 
it's looking like the Preds got themselves another uh, bargain draft pick here, possibly. Uh, that's what the consensus seems to be. Um, you've got yourself a really highlight reel type of goal-scoring player. Um, and so, for obvious reasons, we can't wait to watch uh, Kamel, who pl- who's playing for a, a really good Finland team that we've just previously mentioned, might be able to be a dark horse team in this tournament, as they, all- as they usually are. They're always a really good competitive team in this tournament. So he's going to be one of their top line wingers in this uh, tournament here. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts on what you're expecting from him. Uh, do you think he's uh, up against any kind of pressure? Does it, Do you think he's got something to prove? Do you think maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder because he wanted to be drafted higher and now he's going to prove it? I don't know. I'm just really, I'm really, really excited to see him play in this tournament. Yeah, it should be a great tournament from him. You know, it's interesting. I think in normal circumstances, you might be right in, in, in kind of having that chip on his shoulder. But really, um, I think there's almost two other players on his team that a lot uh, of folks' attention will be on for that reason. And that's uh, Atirati, who was uh, once going to be a, a very high 2021 20, pick and fell all the way to the second round. And uh, Brad Lambert, who, you know, for years was discussed as, as a top pick this summer and, and fell all the way to Winnipeg late in the first um, so a lot of folks are, are, are going to be paying attention to those two, but that's kind of the, um, the brilliance of the Finns is they don't necessarily have a Connor Bedard, but they've got, uh, a number of players who, uh, are responsible in their own end. Uh, they are thorough in the neutral zone and in, in breaking the puck out and, and getting it up the ice. And, um, they can score, uh, when they want to either at special on special teams or at even strength. And, and that's what Kemmel's going to provide. You know, he is going to be this team sniper, um, you know, on the power play, the offense is going to run through him. He's going to be um, someone this team looks to, to, to lead them and putting the puck in the back of the net. So uh, it'll be an exciting tournament for him. Um, he'll be back in December for the 2023 world juniors as well. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably along with uh, fellow Prince prospect, Casper Kulanami as well, who's not playing in the 2022 world juniors, but um, you know, I think uh, teams are going to have their hands full with with who they're going to have to manage when it comes to the Finnish roster, and um, that should bode well with for Kemmel, who um, I think will have plenty of opportunity to score and, and plenty of opportunity to showcase why uh, he certainly should have been picked higher than 17th, but uh, we're certainly glad he wasn't. So, mm-hmm, for sure. All right, it's going to be fun stuff. All right, let's let's uh, end it with this here. Let's get to uh, some Preds prospects that are already way further along, obviously, in their uh, career path and just kind of get an update from Eric here on what it's looking like in the short-term future for some of these big names. Let's go ahead and get it started first with um, Irislav Askarov, who, uh, you know, we just, it, we're just patiently waiting. We're just like, oh, we know you're coming. We, we've been talking about it nonstop. It's so refreshing and it's so good to know that he's safe and sound and he, you know, with the whole uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine war and everything going on right now, it was just a really scary time uh, when you when you're thinking about all these uh, Russian players who uh, were trying to get back out of that war zone. And so, I'm um, seeing all of his social media pictures that are just hilarious. He's he's just a ball of energy, and he's so funny. And I can't wait to see him in a Preds uniform. So let's start with a scar off here. Uh, What's it looking like for him this year? Is I'm thinking he's probably definitely going to be with the Milwaukee Admirals, and I can't wait to see what he can do with the, in the AHL level. Yeah, so um, he'll be he'll be in Milwaukee. Um, he's 
spending a summer in Nashville with, which is, is great. Um, you know, getting, getting reps with the team and, um, after development camp, you know, I think this year, the biggest thing for him, you know, it's not even going to be about like, Oh, is he leading the AHL and state percentage? Is he leading the league in shutouts, whatever. It's just about playing time. Um, you know, the past two seasons, he has really struggled to, to see the ice on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, earlier this year, David Poyle said that, um, he was being punished by St. Petersburg for wanting to come to North America um, and being withheld playing time. You know, they have a deep organization over there, organizational, you know, depth chart over there. So I think that's certainly part of it. Um, but uh, it'll be good just to get him regular reps, especially against, um, you know, on North American ice against this competition. You know, I think the interesting thing here though is, is um, all of a sudden, you know, at one point the Milwaukee goalie situation looked fairly clear heading yeah i know where you're going with this (laughs) and now all of a sudden it doesn't and Uh. it's deeply frustrating because you know like there's nothing more connor ingram can do in the ahl right he is graduated from the league he's not going to get any better i think everyone would agree he's a perfectly fine nhl backup um and then this team goes and signs kevin lankinen who you know say what you will about him play for a horrible blackhawks team whatever uh so that that begs the question like they're not going to keep three goalies on the roster so then what are we doing here is ingram going back down then is he splitting starts with a scare off you know i don't think it's smart that a scare off plays 65 games this year because that's you know a huge workload for anyone but like yeah a minimum of half the starts right but then what do we do with devin cooley and tomash vamashka the preds are currently without an echl affiliate so all of a sudden like you've got this log jam right now. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I trust that, like, look, I don't think the, the, I don't think the Preds are, are stupid. They know that Eskarov needs playing time. And I trust that, um, you know, he'll certainly get that this year, but it is kind of curious to see what, um, you know, that the goaltending increase in Milwaukee is going to look like. So there's, there'll be a lot of more watching for this year with him. Um, namely just, you know, the number of starts, the, the playing time he gets and, um, and just calming down his game a bit, you know, he's, yeah. he's an athletic freak. Um, he's got that going for him. Um, but calming his game down to the point where he can rely on his glove hand uh, more steadily, where he can utilize his cross crease power uh, more effectively. So he doesn't, he's not flying all over the pace uh, and working with this team's, you know, um, goaltending uh, department, you know, Dave Rook, I think is really going to help him uh, adjust to that North American ice. So that's kind of what I'm looking for this year. Yeah, no, and no one needs to freak out if he has some hiccups out out of the start here because, I mean, with everything he's been through and with not getting regular playing time, it, it's going to be a slow process. But you got to trust the process, which is what they like to say in all sports. Trust the process. We know the talent is there. We know that what, what he's capable of. So let's be patient with him. But yeah, it, the whole thing with Connor Ingram and. And and the monkey wrench of, of Kevin Lankin and joining, which hey, I think he can be a quality backup, but I also think Connor Ingram can be a quality backup as well. So um it, it really is uh peculiar to see what how this is all gonna work out with, with the goalies, both in Nashville and Milwaukee. But we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's get to another one. Um, and this is a super fan favorite here. Uh, someone who we're just, another player who we're like, we know eventually he's going to get some NHL minutes. It's a matter of when will it finally happen this season. And that is Igor Afanasyev. Um, a lot of fan favorite 
when, when it comes to the prospect pool, I, I there's so many Preds fans who just love Igor, so uh, and excited about what he can bring. So, does he make an NHL debut this year, Eric? Does he finally make it in to the Preds? Yeah. Um, well, I don't want people coming at me with their pitchforks, but I'm going to say <laughs> probably, probably not. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible, you know, injuries obviously create, um, you know, a lot of question marks about who will be called up and who will not be, um, you know, he'll definitely be starting the year in Milwaukee. I think his first season in the AHL was fine. Um, you know, if you just look at his kind of box score stats, 33 points in 74 games is not bad for a first year pro. Um, but he certainly had his struggles at times. Um, and that resulted in a few games of being a healthy scratch as well. So um, it's clear that that Carl Taylor thinks there there's more work to be done there. And, um, you know, with the data I tracked, I think that's evident. Um, you know, just 12 of his 33 points were, were uh, primary ones scored at even strength. Obviously, scoring on the power play is good, but you need to be able to score at even strength too to, to make an impact in this league. And, and, and the big two things that I noticed are the skating separation, um, you know, something he really struggled to adjust with at the AHL level was just getting separation from opponents. Um, and that just comes with added power, that comes with added strength, that, that comes with better crossover steps. And, and that's part of, you know, your development. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we've always known he, he likes to shoot, he shoots the puck a lot, but um, kind of the, a byproduct of that lack of separation was um, a real lack of high danger shot attempts. Uh, this past season, in the 10 games of his I tracked, he recorded uh, 11.6 shot attempts for 60 minutes. Uh, just 2.11 of those were from high danger areas, right? So um, you're not going to score a ton of goals just like ripping wrist shots from the top of the circles, uh, especially against pro goalies. So those are two areas that uh, I think are really key for him to work on. And and I do trust that he can make those changes and, and, and improve in those areas. But, um, you know, I don't think he's he's ready for NHL. You know, as much as I think everyone's excited to see him in the NHL one day, myself included, I don't think he's quite there yet. But, yeah. um, you know, if he can turn into a, a really productive top six winger um, in Milwaukee this year, then, um, you know, that's a big boost to that club and a big boost to his development. So. Yeah, and it just goes to really show you and illustrates it that um, it's a really difficult journey to the NHL, even if you are a very talented player like Igor Afanasyev is. It's it's hard. It's challenging. It's a very complex set of skills that you have to have to be a regular on the NHL level. And so uh, a player like Afanasyev is uh, – you just want to keep him keep seeing him round out his game this year in Milwaukee – and um, some good things will come from that. All right, let's talk about one more player that really took the prospect pool by storm. Um, last year, I mean, just highlight reel after highlight reel and just took the OHL in the uh, – what, what was his team? London Knights, right? Yeah. Is that it? Luke Evangelista is who I'm alluding to here. Luke Evangelista is just – I mean, people can't get enough of him. He's so exciting to watch and – I guess what I want to get from you here, Eric, is what's the next step for him in his process? Because he's probably he's definitely got a little ways to go here. But um, what's the next step in his process? What are some things that he needs to improve on? Um, because it's probably hard to think about some things to improve on because he had such a great year putting up video game like numbers. But there's always room for improvement. So uh, let's talk about a Luke Evangelista here. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's been a while since this club has really had a Canadian junior prospect with this kind of clout. I mean, you know, Thomasino scored 100 points in his last year in the OHL, but 
Um, you know, he was, I don't think putting up the, the highlight reel, you know, uh, goals that Evangelista was this past year. And, um, uh, and you know, he ultimately led the league in, in goals as well. So uh, I guess since, you know, the, the, the uh, Alexander Radulov days, have we really not seen a, a Canadian junior prospect with this kind of, um, you know, pedigree coming in to the organization, but you're right. You know, he had an unbelievable year last year, um, led the London Knights in scoring 111 points in 62 games. Uh, he took 341 shots on net, which is <laughs> unbelievable. Um, like most nights was like seven, eight, nine double digit uh, shots on net. So um, he's a really exciting player. Uh, you know, he got a bit of a taste last year um, in the AHL uh, because the OHL didn't play due to COVID. Um, joined up with the Chicago Wolves for a bit, uh, and was, you know, I will be honest, was not good, um, was pretty unimpressive, but that was to be expected. You know, he was a year younger. He wasn't nearly as strong. Um, he hadn't played with pros before. And, uh, you know, I talked to him around then and, and he highlighted, you know, the two big things that he wanted to work on, which kind of go hand in hand were his strength. And on top of that, his shot, you know, he's got unbelievable hands, but, he doesn't quite have like the heaviness behind a shot that maybe Ellie Tolvanen does. Um, not to say he's not a good shooter, but um, you know, there's certainly some strength to be added there. So he'll be in Milwaukee this year and um, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. He's not going to put up 30, 40 goals in the AHL this year. Um, you know, just like, um, you know, Afanasiev did just like, you know, previous prospects had, there's going to be a learning curve uh, when he gets to the AHL and, I think a big part of that will just be the defensive responsibility. You know, it seems kind of cliche, but uh, there are many nights in the OHL and juniors where defense is optional, um, particularly for players at the higher end of the lineup like him. Mm -hmm. uh, many of games of his I watched where I did not see an AHL or an NHL level back check. And that's fine when you're winning six to nothing against like the Saginaw spirit and you've already scored three <laughs> goals, you know? So, um, yeah. You know, but that doesn't really fly at the pro level. So I think that's going to be a part of it is just, um, you know, making sure he's he's um, tightening up those defensive responsibilities, making sure that he's, um, you know, being active in the breakout when he's off the puck, being active in the neutral zone when he's off the puck, uh, you know, not just waiting for that pass from his teammates. And um, through those improvements, you know, goals will come um, because he's not going to be able to beat uh, defenses as easily as he was in junior um, and so it, you're just kind of, kind of layering those skills up the ice and, you know, you got to trust that Carl Taylor and his staff will, will be working with him on that. And, um, you know, even if he doesn't have a, uh, you know, an incredible year this year, then, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's not going to be an NHL star right away. So, uh, a couple of years in Milwaukee will certainly be helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, he's definitely going to be tested because the AHL, they do play defense. It's a much more <laughs> defensive minded league. So uh, it'll be inter interesting to see his transition into that as it always is. Um, bring up Tomasino. That's why I'm kind of so impressed with what Tomasino did last in his first full NHL season. I know he didn't like put up crazy numbers compare and we saw all these individually great years from Yossi and, and, and whatnot. And so uh, it, Tomasino got lost in the shuffle for the Preds, but he had a really, really solid first NHL year. And so 
it just speaks to volumes of of Tomasino and his development, his crazy talent level, and I can't wait to see what he does this year as well. So, so many great young players are coming through this system, and it's great to see because it was kind of stagnant for a while. I don't know if you'd agree, Eric, but the prospect pool was super stagnant. You weren't you were seeing the team get older and older and older, especially going through the Stanley Cup year. You weren't seeing a lot of young injection into the lineup, and now we're finally, even though we're not rebuilding. They don't want to call it that anyway. We're definitely seeing finally an injection of young talent, and it's so awesome to see. So um, we're going to be calling on you more and more, Eric, because there's plenty of good young players to talk to. We've been joined by Eric Denae of On the Future Press Prospects of SB Nation. Go follow them on Twitter and get all of your information. That's at On the Future OTF on Twitter to get all of your knowledge on the Preds prospect pool that keeps getting better and better. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right. This has been episode 140 of Catfish on Ice. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll have a brand new episode right. coming to you next week. Stay safe. Take care. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next week. <laughs>